And then she told me that her granddaughter... John, are you listening to me? Of course I am, Mom. Well, then why are you on your phone, ignoring your poor mother who only loves you and wants to spend time with you? <laughs> I was doing some banking on the Wells Fargo mobile app and I got carried away. Pay your bills? Done. Check your balances? Done. Deposit checks? Done. Even send and receive money? D are you updating your status right now? Hmm? With the Wells Fargo mobile app, it's easy to get banking done. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash getbankingdone. Wells Fargo Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Miracle of Love, a collection of 101 stories about hope, destiny, finding your soulmate, and new beginnings. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I'm great, and I am having so much fun with this book. Oh my gosh, everybody loves <laughs> reading love stories, and yes. what's so cool about Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Miracle of Love, is we have an unbelievable variety. And I thought that when I was putting the book together, and now I'm hearing that from other people. They're like, wow, I can't believe all the different ways that people found their correct person, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really mm -hmm. been a lot of fun doing the publicity for this book, and um, we've been getting a lot of media buzz. Fantastic. I know what I like about the book is the fact that this is a delightful read, it's heartwarming and inspiring, and the book let us know that love and romance is only a skip heartbeat away. So congratulations for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, I do love that about the book. I think it gives people hope. Like if you mm -hmm. are somebody who's just given up hope of finding your soulmate, or you know somebody who's given up hope, this book is so inspirational. It will make people open their eyes again and look around them and actually be open to meeting that person or recognizing that somebody who's already in their life is that right person. But it's a very hopeful book, and that's what a lot of people have told me. I think it's a great summer read. <laughs> it is. One of the things I like about it is that I notice you have a bunch of men contributing to this book. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and I mean, almost all the stories are about love between a man and a woman. And so, yeah, yeah there's always two people in there. And so, yes, <laughs> it definitely gives men hope that their special someone is out there. And you know what's interesting? There's so many stories where a man mm -hmm. was considered to be just a friend by a woman. And right. the man, I'm pretty sure men don't want to be just a friend, but they just patiently mm -hmm. hang in there waiting for the woman to wake up. So there's That's a right. lot of those. So so that if you know a man who's just a friend to somebody, but really he's secretly in love with that woman, <laughs> this book is for him. Or this is for the woman who's not realizing that that guy she's going to the movies with, but she's saying it's not a date. You know, mm -hmm. she, she, should, mm -hmm. she needs to open her eyes and say, oh, yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> so we have a lot of those. We definitely do. And I love those because my own um, – one of my children, mm -hmm. she – married um, a guy who had been just a friend for 13 years. Wow. Yeah, he had been, he had been waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, just oh, a friend. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
<laughs> what I like about the book as well is that I can use this book as the icebreaker. Yeah, you definitely can. It's like, you know how you watch a movie and you see <laughs> the two people who you know should be together, but they right. both think that the other one just wants to be a friend. And you, you're like yelling at your TV. You're like... <laughs> Idiot, wake up, kiss her. She actually likes you. You know, and you're like telling the two characters on the screen to get together. Well, so many of the stories in this book are like that yeah. because yeah. truth is stranger than fiction. And I think the 101 stories in this book, every single mm-hmm. one of them could be the basis for one of those great, you know, romantic comedies. Yeah. Yeah, so true. How did all this come about? What is the inspiration behind The Miracle of Love for Chicken Soup for the Soul? So what happened was that we were working on stories for other books. For example, Mm -hmm. um, we had a book called Step Outside Your Comfort Zone, and a lot Mm -hmm. of people were giving us stories about how they stepped outside their comfort zones and thus found love. Or in Mm -hmm, The Power mm -hmm. of Yes book, which is coming out in August, the same thing. Or uh, we have a book that came out this winter called Chicken Soup for the Soul, Miracles and More. And a lot of those stories were about, like, really weird coincidences, you know, serendipity, destiny, where people met each other. So we had so many great love stories that were being submitted for all these other books. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we had too many about love. And I said, you know what? People are talking about <laughs> love these days. It is time for us to do a separate book about the miracle of love, about people finding each other in all of these serendipitous ways. And, yeah. of course, you know, we're a mostly female staff here, so we love working on these books about romance and dating and proposals and marriage uh-huh. and happily ever after. We love that. We're always disappointed when we finish working on one of these because we enjoy it so much. And I'm having so much fun telling these stories. Mm-hmm. I'm telling these stories to men. Like I was telling these, the story, these stories to a guy in the office the other day, and he was just standing there with his mouth open, so fascinated. <laughs> I think everybody enjoys love stories. Not only that, though, the generation has changed. Now men are expressing themselves very well. I love the fact that you have several contributors, and I say this respectfully, different ethnicity as well. Oh, yeah. Well, our books are very inclusive. We represent everybody. Um, And so that's what I love about our books also is that it's only through working at Chicken Soup for the Soul for the last 10 years that I've really – met people from Mm -hmm. all over the country, because here I live in Connecticut, um, you know, so I'm very familiar with the Northeast, and I never really knew that much about, you know, what it's like to live in California, or Washington State, or Michigan, or Texas, or Florida, And, and you meet people from all over the country in the pages of our books, and you also meet people from all walks of life. You meet people from you meet people who have who are immigrants from all different countries, from p- different cultures, from different religions, mm-hmm. and so it's really nice to meet all these different people. I think that it vastly expands your understanding of the rest of the people in the country that you live in. Let's talk about the beautiful penguins. I thought that was really cool. Why the penguins? And then, of course, the beautiful cover as well. Chicken has really come up with some really awesome covers. So tell us a little bit about that. 
Well, we always do well with covers that have animals on them. And, you know, penguins are in committed relationships with each other. And so I just, we found this I really love cute picture of a male and female penguin with their, like, their little flippers, you know. It looks, mm-hmm. looks like they're holding hands and they're making a little heart between their mm-hmm. faces and their little hands. So it's cute. So we made, and then and then we have this other picture, which is um, a man and woman who look like they're in their 40s or maybe 50s, mm-hmm. but I thought they were relatable to everybody, and they're walking down what looks like an abandoned railroad track, like they're on a date, but you can mm-hmm. tell they're really into each other. And so I thought, I, I liked both of these images, and so we made we actually made two covers, one with the penguins mm-hmm. and one with the humans. And then I asked the sales force at Simon & Schuster which one they preferred, and it was almost half and half, but a little more (laughs) like the humans. So we decided we would put the humans on the front and the penguins on the back, and then the penguins are inside the book also at the beginning of each chapter. You were right in terms of there's so much warmth from the cover, having the people in front of it. And like you say, it connects, and you're looking at the generation that's actually – Perfect, because we're going through this process of second chances and new beginnings and so forth. It just speaks volumes. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's a great book for somebody who's getting married also, mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it's wonderful love stories. And the cool thing is that these stories, almost all of them are like, they talk about how the people met, you know, the miraculous way they met, all of that. And then they got married, and then they always conclude saying, we've been married 28 years now, or whatever it is. (laughs) And so you see the longevity of the relationships, and that's really sweet as well. So true. How did you come up with the various titles? I thought the titles was very engaging. So what happens when I make a book is I usually have a general topic, like the miracle Mm -hmm. of love. And then I do not have any preconceived notion about what the chapters should be. I, I let the stories tell me. Because mm-hmm. that way, I just pick the 101 stories that I think are the most fascinating and compelling and interesting and different for our readers. Mm-hmm. And then once I've picked those stories, that's when I shape the chapters. And so that's how I learned that this uh, concept of people being friends first was such a big deal. We, we're getting so many stories about that. And also how many people we're waiting, you know, a decade or more. Right. So that's why the first year is friends first, and then the second chapter is worth the wait. And then we had a lot of people talking about love at first sight and how it really happened to them. In some cases, they didn't even exchange one word, and it was love at first sight. And um, and then there's a chapter called How We Met with, you know, like mm-hmm. the cute ways that people met. And then there's a chapter that's about all these really weird like amazing coincidences. And that chapter is called Divine Intervention, where you're like, wow, like one more second, you guys wouldn't have met each other. And then there's just a funny chapter about dating and other fun things that happen in relationships, and it's called Happily Ever Laughter. And then we have a chapter that is really heartwarming about couples who are there for each other, and it's called In Sickness and In Happiness. Mm -hmm. And then there's a chapter called Meant to Be, again, all those bizarre stories about destiny and maybe dreaming about somebody and then actually meeting that person in real life. And then we have a chapter called When I Knew, which is really cool. 
And then we have a chapter that really gives encouragement to people who had just given up. They're like, I'm never going to be with another person. <laughs> it's over. I'm happily single. I'm going to raise my child by myself. So that chapter is called When I Least Expected It. And then there's another chapter along the same lines the second time around, and that's a lot of people who are widowed mm-hmm. or divorced. And then finally, because we had some great stories about keeping the romance fresh, even if you've been married 20 right. years, the final chapter is called Keeping the Love Alive and has some wonderful recommendations for ways that you can you know, keep going out on date mm-hmm. nights mm-hmm. and keep the relationship fresh and fun and romantic. Wonderful. Do you consider yourself as a romantic person? Definitely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm very happily married in my second marriage. I have a nice relationship with my first husband, though. No issues there. And very happily married. Um, we've been married 19 years. And... um and I'm always trying to keep it new and mm-hmm. fresh and do things for him. Like I went to see the Star Wars movie with him Saturday night, even though I really didn't want to. You know, like you do <laughs> things like that to, uh-huh. to, you know, to to be nice to the other person. And so we're always doing things for each other and we're always trying to do new things together uh, mm-hmm. because going on adventures together really helps to keep things fresh and alive mm-hmm. as well. That's fantastic. If I recall, you guys took some ballroom dancing lessons as well, didn't you? We have tried ballroom dancing. <laughs> we have tried so many things together. Um, mm-hmm. It's funny. I'm going to be speaking at a conference in Cedar Rapids the first weekend in August, and they have goat yoga. And I said to my husband, I think we're going to go and do goat yoga if I can uh-huh. you know, get that in before I have to go and do my keynote. And he looked at me like, are you kidding? I said, no, we're really, <laughs> we're going to go do goat yoga with Nigerian dwarf goats because it's mm. so silly, but it's fun. And that's the kind of thing uh-huh. that, that keeps a relationship fun. Right, right. Wonderful. Well, did you learn something special about love and romance while putting this thing together? Yeah, I guess I learned that men are pretty expressive because there are a lot of men who talk about finding their own romance. And you mm-hmm. picked up on that, of course, being a man and reading the book. So that was fun, getting the male point of view and seeing that they can be just as mushy as the women. That's true. What's interesting, though, is that over the years, I realized that I love romantic comedies. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, I think that most men are, you know... At heart, they're closet romantics, you know, and they just don't want to tell anybody, but Uh they're capable of having a tear come out of their eye when something sweet happens on the movie screen. (laughs) They They just put on that tough shell, but I think that they're just as interested in love as women are. Women, buy this book and leave it in the bathroom for their man to read. He'll read it secretly. (laughs) That would be wonderful. So you believe that men can benefit from reading this book, correct? I think that men (laughs) and women will Mm -hmm. find hope and inspiration in this book, and and they'll be saying to themselves, okay, that special person really is out there for me, and this book really gives people hope. And also gives them a path to success because you pick up a lot of great tips. So I think for right. men especially, they could pick up some great tips from this book about 
what women want and what a woman looks for in a date or in a man or in a long-time marriage, what a woman is looking for to keep things fresh. Because I think that in general, women are a little more self-confident about coming up with ideas for the relationship to keep things fresh and new and fun and romantic. Right. So maybe men can pick up some pointers from this book. I agree. What I like about it as well is the fact that you were talking about having the opportunity to mirror someone else. I mean, when you read the stories, it speaks to you and say, I could do that. There's nothing in this book that we can't all do. There's not a single piece of advice that we can't implement. There's nothing in here that's expensive or requires great physical prowess or right. you know, requires any special circumstances. Every cool idea in this book can be implemented by every single reader. So true. By the way, you're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Miracle of Love, a collection of 101 stories about hope, destiny, finding your soulmate, and new beginnings. Amy, let's talk about some of the stories in the book. I love chapter one, Friends First. The very first story I thought was really cool, Like That by Jessica Snell. Oh, yeah, this is so cute. So Jessica had this good friend named Adam, and he asked her out, and she said, no, 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 I, I don't like you like that. And so he just hung around, though. And so she thought, <laughs> okay, he's willing to just be a friend. And so they hung out together in groups. Um, sometimes they went out on what really seemed to be a date, but Jessica didn't didn't say it was a date. In fact, they went to the movies together, and she made her little brother sit between her and Adam so he wouldn't <laughs> think it was a date. And once in a while, though, she'd look at him and she'd think, hmm, he is kind of attractive. And then she began to notice that everything she did with Adam was so much fun, even things that weren't supposed to be fun. And then finally, even though she was dating other people, her sister said to her, Jessica, what are you doing? Adam is the one. And her sister did that thing I was talking about earlier in the interview, you know, like when you want to yell at the movie mm-hmm. screen, like, idiot, look at him. So her sister did that for her. And then she finally said to Adam, you know what? I realized that every time I see you, I'm really, really glad to see you. And Adam started smiling because he had been waiting all this time for her to wake up. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're married. They have four kids. And Jessica is still very, very happy to see Adam every day. So that was really sweet and a great way to start off the book. No doubt about it. And these are the kind of things that you were talking about where things just evolve and it's very subtle. And it's a guy thing too. There are a lot of guys maybe a little bit more aggressive and kind of speak their mind. And there are a lot of us, like me, kind of shy and just sort of like go with the flow. <laughs> mm-hmm. That is so true. Second, yeah. The second story is also very interesting, Surprised by Holly Mosley. Yeah. So Holly was working, she worked at a church and there was a guy who worked at the church also named Scott. And Scott was really easy to talk to, and he had a great sense of humor, and there was always a lot of laughter in the office. 
And she always got along well with Scott. And then one day she told Scott that she needed a dance partner for some lessons and would he be willing to do that with her. So what I haven't told you is that Scott was a monk. So they were friends, but, you know, she was a civilian and he was a monk. So when she said, oh, I need a dance partner. Do you want to help me out? He got real quiet and kind of like ran away. And then the next day, he came to her and he said, I had to figure out why I couldn't answer your question, you know, about the dance lessons. Mm-hmm. couldn't sleep all night. I realized I'd fallen in love with you. And if I put my arms around you to dance with you, I couldn't be a monk anymore. So he ended up staying a monk and they started just being friends and going on what I would consider to be dates but they were just friends. So they were friends who went on picnics together. They were friends who wrote poems for each other. They were friends who went on walks together and had dinner at each other's homes. And then finally he realized he should not be a monk anymore, and they went out on a real date, and he proposed on that first real date. And so she called up her family and said, I'm getting married, and they said, but you weren't even dating anybody. And she said, well, that's true. I wasn't dating anybody because I was hanging out with a monk, but he's decided he's not going to be a monk anymore and we're getting married. So I thought that was great. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the sinful side about it is that you may have to answer for that when you get to heaven. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) He didn't actually, he didn't actually officially date her until he gave up being a monk. No, I know. I was just teasing about that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He was very careful about not crossing the line. Right, right. What I love about the story is the fact that in that process, it's a discipline that both of us have in the sense that it's a wonderful process of getting to know each other without the pressure of physical contact, those kind of things. And it allows everything just flow the way it is. And it's sort of like you really, truly build the friendship from that. That's what a lot of people said in the stories in this book. All of these people who started off as friends and knew each other for a long time and went on these right. non-dates together, they <laughs> said when they finally admitted to each other that they loved each other, they, you know, they immediately went to being engaged, like within a week. Because right. they were so comfortable with each other already. They already knew each other. And yes, you're right. They had gotten to know each other without any of those outside stresses, and they just knew mm-hmm. each other as people. And so they remained good friends in their marriages mm-hmm. because they had started off as good friends. Right. So true. The third story in the same chapter, this is a funny one. I love this. Thor at the Door by Janine Jacobson. Yeah, so this is really cute. So Jeannie Jacobson um, was divorced. She was raising her little daughter by herself, and she said she was never going to be with another man. Um, She was done. She just wanted to be single, raise her daughter, get on with her life. And then her next-door neighbor had a friend come to stay with him, and the friend was really, really gorgeous. Um, and she, in her own mind, called him Thor because he looked like, you know, a god. And <laughs> Thor started <laughs> sunbathing in the back of his pickup truck, like with his shirt off right under her window. So she would find herself sneaking looks out her window, and then she was so embarrassed. Then Thor rang her doorbell one day and said that his friend, her neighbor, had suggested that maybe they could do something together. 
And she said, well, I'm not looking to date anybody. He said, I'm not looking to date anybody either. So they started doing all these things as friends. But, of course, these were mm-hmm. dates, but they pretended they were not dates. Well, they ended up getting married, and they've been married now for 33 years. And um, we made a book trailer for mm-hmm. this book. It's available on our website if you go to chickensoup.com, um, and you'll see, like, the ad for the Miracle of Love book. If you click on that, it will take you to a page all about our Miracle of Love book, and then you'll see that you can click on a video there, and that is a trailer for the book. And in that trailer, we have pictures of Jeannie Jacobson and her man, Thor, which is not his real name. (laughs) But anyway, you can see the two of them. His real name is Jake. (laughs) That's wonderful. I chose the story, I thought, because it was funny, and I love superheroes, so <laughs> it worked out well. Chapter yeah. two, worth the wait. This is a classic. Men or women, we always have the list, and this one is by Tree Landon. Yeah, so she she was single, and she was talking to this friend of hers. They were out at a ladies' night at a local bar, and her friend said, you have to write a list of what you want. And Tree thought that was crazy. And then she thought, okay, I'm going to do it. So she sat down and she wrote a list of what she was looking for. And she realized that she had been going for all the wrong kind of guys, like the flashy guys or the ones who were braggarts or the ones who seemed to have a lot of money but were really full of it and this and that. And when she made her list, her list was things that really mattered, like having mm-hmm. a big smile and a great sense of humor and a lot of patience and being a loving father and being kind, being hardworking, not with a huge income, just a steady income, just a mm-hmm. person who worked hard and a guy who was handsome but didn't have to be like drop dead handsome <laughs> and a guy who would be good with pets and wouldn't just watch sports all the time and ignore her. And so she wrote a list of things like that. And that, then she found that guy because it really it forced her to focus on what really mattered, writing that list, and it caused her to open her eyes to the right kind of guy instead of the wrong kind of guy. I think we all have lists. The guys does the list as well, but maybe it's the wrong list, but, <laughs> but we do have oh, lists. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you guys have the wrong list. I, I have no <laughs> doubt about that. <laughs> My father's 89. Now, my father's 89. He's, he's like, oh, I could get a new wife now. And uh-huh. and then, but, you know, his list basically is, the first thing on his list is that the woman should probably be my age. And I keep saying to him, Dad, you cannot marry a 60-year-old. You have to marry a woman who's in her 80s. You, you do not qualify for a 60-year-old. So, yeah, he's 89, but hope springs eternal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's beautiful. The next story in this same chapter, this is really cool. The New Girl by the first male contributor in this book, Joey Wooten. So the funny thing about it is that Joey's story is in here right next to a story by his wife. Mm-hmm. The very next story in the book is by Melissa Wooten, who's written more than 20 stories for us. For Joey, this is his second story. Mm-hmm. Um, but Joey mm-hmm. says that he was he grew up in this small little town in Texas where everybody knew everybody and so 
you know, if somebody new came into town, you noticed them. And this new girl showed up for high school, and he thought she was just beautiful. And he had an instant crush on her, as did every boy. But she wouldn't even look at him. And so he basically talks about how he was so interested in her throughout high school, and she never gave him the time of day. And finally, when he had been out of high school for a couple of years, he ran into her. And then she wrapped her arms around him and gave him a big hug. And he said she was still beautiful. And finally, he was able to talk to her, and they started dating, and they've been married now for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> I bet she liked him in high school, too, and he just didn't realize it. Probably so. What I like about that story is the fact that from a guy's perspective, because a lot of times we are labeled as being unromantic, not focused, and obviously this story tells otherwise. I think a lot of guys are shy. Like Joey was an Mm -hmm. all-star football player in his town. I'm sure all the girls had crushes on him too, and yet he wasn't aware of that, and he just thought that this girl wouldn't give him the time of day, and I bet that wasn't even true. I bet I bet she liked him all along, and he just didn't know how to close the deal because boys are shy. And, right. you know, especially young people, they can't pick up the cues. They, don't, right, they can't right. tell when, when the other person is interested in them. Mm-hmm. So true. Well, let's move on to Chapter 3, Love at First Sight. And this is, of course, again, it's one of those things where, like, it just happens, right? So... Let's talk about Romance Between the Stacks by Darren Cook. Yeah, so Darren worked at a bookstore, and then this this um, new person was hired, and he saw her. Her name was Jennifer, and he said it was just love at first sight. And so they worked together. He didn't really say anything for the first couple of months, and then they finally went on their first date. And then... Three months after that first date, he was scheduled to go on a four-week backpacking trip to Chile. And this had been long planned, you know, way before he met Jennifer. Mm-hmm. And Jennifer, he could finally tell, didn't want him to go because she gave him her copy of The Little Prince by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry, which was like mm-hmm. a treasured book for her. But um, she wanted him to have it with him on the trip. And so he kept reading it and reading it and reading it on the trip. And you know what he did? He cut his trip short. After two weeks, two weeks into his four-week trip, he went home and went back to the bookstore to be with Jennifer. And um, and so he just couldn't be away from her. So they were engaged a few months later, and um, now they have been together for 13 years and counting. It's a beautiful story. And what's exciting about it is that you kind of got in the zone. I'm picturing that from the standpoint, sort of like an energy. When you talk about love at first sight, you got this magnet that's following you. and You can't think about anything else. And you're so focused. To me, one of the questions is, how do you know? That's the person. And that's a tough He knew because he went on the trip and then he he cut the trip short and flew home, which was a big deal to you know, to bow out in the middle of his four-week trip. Right, right. So he, Precisely. He, he was really missing her. Chapter four, and this is really cool, How We Met, Making Melody on eHarmony by Scott Kaufman, another guy. Yeah, because I, I don't know what percentage of people now are meeting online, but it's a huge percentage. Right. And it's it's just the way people do it now. There's nothing 
embarrassing about it or anything. There's all these really wonderful online sites available now so that people can meet each other, check each other out ahead of time, be a little more efficient, cut down on danger, especially for women, of mm-hmm. going to bars and just hanging out. So anyway, um, this guy, Scott Kaufman, he was on eHarmony. So he talks about exactly how it worked. So if somebody's really trying to figure out, like, how do these <laughs> dating sites work? I would read story 31 in Chicken Soup for the Soul to Miracle of Love because it really does give you, like, your primer on how right. it works. And so he talks about how it was really good for him because it really helped him to find the right person. And they got a lot of that getting to know you stuff out of the way ahead of time so that when they actually went on their first date, all of that was out of the way and it moved things along quickly. And anyway, they've been married 12 years now. And so I think it was, it was just nice because if people are wondering like, how does it work? Well, here's the answer for how it works. And I think it's nice to have some how-to stories mixed into this right. book because, I mean, people, if they're going on an online dating site for the first time, they're a little nervous. It's good to read a description of how it worked for somebody because right. it makes you feel a little more confident, a little less insecure about trying it yourself. What I like about the story is also the fact that I would imagine most so for men, critical about yourself in some ways, and you want to kind of get all that stuff, like you were talking about, certain things out of the way. Online dating program allows you to kind of put it out there. This is who I am. If you think that all these are okay, then let's meet. So you kind of took care of that critical conversation, so to speak. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. It's, it's much better for people. And people are trying to be more efficient, too. <laughs> Right. I mean, I know somebody who's going on a million dates and it's so disheartening because he just keeps going on one date after another that doesn't work out. And it's really Mm -hmm. nice if you can clear through that and zero in on somebody who really has potential for you. Right. Right. So true. Chapter five. Love it. Divine intervention. A dream come true by LaRonda Boom. Oh, yeah. This is cool because um, what happened was that. There was this guy, and he was single, and he had never been married. He had no children, and he had a dream one night that he was dating a woman with a little girl. And then he had another dream where he was standing at the altar with his friend Rob as his best man. And then he had another dream where he was opening wedding gifts with his wife and it was so weird to have these dreams and he had just prayed to God to find him somebody. And then he had these three dreams. So then he called his, his roommate, his college roommate, Rob, the one he had seen in his dream as his best man. And he said, Rob, I had the weirdest dream and you were in it. I was dating a woman with a little girl. We got married and you were my best man. So his friend Rob said, well, I happen to know a woman with a little girl and she's looking for someone. But, LaRonda lived in Kansas, and this guy, John, lived in Minnesota, and they lived more than 400 miles apart from each other. (laughs) And so when Rob called LaRonda and said, you have to meet my friend John, she said, you're crazy. That's not going to work. We don't even live near each other. And Rob said, oh, it doesn't matter. You'll fall in love. You'll get married, and, you know, it will work out. Well, nine months later, sure enough, there they were (laughs) in the church getting married 
she was there with her little daughter. Everything that John had dreamt came true. <laughs> and now they've been married for 20 years. It's a totally beautiful story. Very, very empowering. Very, very nice. <laughs> You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, and TuneIn Radio. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a wonderful conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, The Miracle of Love, a collection of 101 stories about hope, destiny, finding your soulmate, and new beginnings. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, let's go to chapter six. And I know you'll like this chapter, Happily Ever Laughter, Incident at Elk Lake by Rachel Muller. So I just burst out laughing when I read this story. <laughs> so, I mean, it, was, it just tickled me. Rachel was uh, dating, and they decided that they were going to go to this, like, lake area, this park in this lake. And so Rachel was 18 years old. She was wearing a really pretty outfit. Um, she looked great and excited about the date. So then they decided to go out for a walk. So they're walking around in this lake area, and they, by accident, like step into this area that I think they think is water, but it turns out it's like mud. Well, then they start trying to move forward to get out of it, and they get deeper and deeper into mud and water and muck, and now they're in the middle of, like, bushes and reeds coming up from the water. And at some point, they get too invested in this to turn back. Well, they end up having to swim through the lake, and she's wearing her pretty leather flats, her scarf, her crisp white blouse, her neatly ironed capri pants, this perfect outfit. Well, she now is in the lake swimming, covered with mud. They come out of the lake covered with brown slime. And now they have to walk back to the parking lot looking like, you know, creatures from the lagoon. <laughs> and and then, like, they couldn't get in the car, her date's car. So he said, would you mind if we get out of these gross clothes? He just happened to have some paper coveralls in his trunk. And so he gave her a pair of these paper coveralls and she went off to the ladies restroom to try to take off her mud covered clothing and change but the restroom was locked so she had to go into the into the trees and try to change in the woods where nobody would see her because she had to strip naked (laughs) and so she's in the woods trying to get out of all these muddy clothes hoping nobody sees her and then she realizes that these white coveralls that he's given her are actually part of an astronaut costume left over from the previous Halloween. So she comes out of the woods, and she's wearing a white paper suit that says NASA down the side of it. Um, Anyway, it's been 28, 28 years since that impromptu swim, and they now have five kids, three grandchildren, and they're still laughing about that day and a lot of the other funny things that have happened since then. Sometimes we need to have those moments that really connects people, those funny moments that really sort of a soul connection, don't you think? Yeah, and I think there's nothing better than laughter or shared disaster. Mm -hmm. If 
you can laugh your way through a shared disaster. I know my father used to tell my brother when he was dating somebody, go away for the mm-hmm. weekend with her. Because you really mm-hmm. get to know somebody when you travel together. Because you know something's going to go wrong. Yeah. Right? You right. want to see how people handle the good and the bad aspects of going on these adventures together. So, yeah, that story, I'm, I have a big wide smile <laughs> on my face right now thinking of her <laughs> traipsing through that parking lot wearing her NASA costume. <laughs> wonderful. Chapter 7, and this is a really wonderful chapter, In Sickness and in Happiness, Through Thick and Thin by Judy Stepp. Yeah, it's, this is really nice because you have these people who are really supporting each other. And Judy actually married John later in life because we have a story in one of our other books about how they got together. They were both fans of um, the Angels baseball team. And they were uh, in some club that worked at the stadium and would, like, I don't know, help people out, distribute the, the gifts, whatever. So they met through that booster club. And she resisted getting married for a long time, and then finally he talked her into it. So they got married. Everything was going great. And then John started to notice that he was having some lapses in memory and judgment. And so they went to the doctor, and the doctor said, uh, yeah. He he diagnosed him, and he said that um, John was, in the beginning stages of some kind of dementia. I don't know if it was Alzheimer's or one of the other ones, but but Mm -hmm. it was happening. And so uh, they faced it together. And meanwhile, while they're doing that, then all of a sudden she has colon cancer surgery, so they deal with that. Then she gets a kidney stone, and they deal with that. And so then her husband, John, took a fall, and so... um, that was bad when they were they were rushing for a plane and he took a fall. And so all these things were happening on their way to then having to deal with the memory loss. But she ends her story by saying, this once proud decorated soldier is slowly fading away. My heart hurts for him, but there is nowhere I want to be except by his side. We've learned to be grateful for the time we have together and we managed to live joyfully. So I thought that was really beautiful. We do have some wonderful stories about people closer to the end of life and mm-hmm. talking about their romance as they get into that phase of life. Um, and there's quite a few of those in the book. And I, I think it's very inspirational. And it shows that the romance can be alive through thick and thin and and at any age. So true. This story remind me of a story I heard about 20 years ago. There was a CEO actually here in Texas that CEO and chairman of the board decide to quit his position to be with his wife because his wife was suffering from Alzheimer's. And of course, the other board members were saying, you know, like, why would you want to leave and be with her? Because she really don't even remember you, right? Someone's mm-hmm. got Alzheimer's, advanced Alzheimer's. And he said something very, very interesting. He says, you're right, she does not know me, but I know her. Yeah, and you know what else we've learned about Mm -hmm. Alzheimer's? And I see Mm -hmm. this all the time in the stories that we get. The person is different, right? but the person really does still know stuff. And you know, you hear all the time about somebody who had, you know, really bad Alzheimer's and didn't even know their children. And then, like, right before they die, they know everybody again. 
Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden they start talking about, they know everybody, they start telling them all the things that have happened to them in the last few years, and they realize that somehow, even though they th- thought the person wasn't comprehending anything, wasn't really participating, the person right. was hearing everything, ingesting everything all those years. It's remarkable how often that happens right before somebody with dementia dies. Right. And that really says to me, you have to keep going. You don't give up. You keep treating that person as if the person is hearing and comprehending everything because a lot of times they are. And right. on their deathbeds, all of a sudden they talk about everything that that they've been watching going on in their families for the last few years. Right. And um, and people are people also become different. Like my father, he has dementia. He doesn't know he has dementia, but he has dementia. And mm-hmm. he has become so sweet. It's like the <laughs> dementia strips away yeah. the yeah. hard shell, all of the exterior stuff. It just strips it away. Right. Like you're, I don't know, like stripping, you know, you have a wire and you strip like the mm-hmm. rubber off and you expose the the wire underneath. It's the like coal, the dementia yeah. strips. The, yeah, the dementia strips away all the protective covering right. and just leaves the love exposed. It's really mm-hmm. incredible. So I've mm-hmm. learned to be highly respectful of who the person is who has dementia and absolutely include them in everything uh, because you don't really know what's going on in there. Right. What's great about it, that's the true power of love because it's not about you. It's focusing on that person. I fell in love with that person. I'm still in love with that person, and I'm here to be with that person. Exactly. Chapter 8, and this is really cool, Meant to Be, Bollywood Dreams by Jamin Patel. So I don't know if you've seen the movie, <laughs> The Big Sick, um, which is about a Pakistani guy who falls in love with um, an American, you know, like a white American mm-hmm. girl, and then the issues with his family, her family. Well, Bollywood Dreams by Jamin Patel is about an Indian guy who um, is American, now, but his parents, you know, came from India, and his parents just assumed that he was going to participate in the arranged marriage system. Mm -hmm. And for a decade, they were introducing him to all these different Indian girls who they thought he would like, and they really wanted him to marry a girl who was not only Indian, but was also from the state in India that his family Mm -hmm. was from. And then not only the state, but ideally from the five villages that his family came from. But he just never connected with any of those women, even though he definitely went on the dates. He was very cooperative. Mm -hmm. And then finally, he fell in love with a woman he met through business. And she was a white American girl. And I actually had Jamin come on the Chicken Soup for the Soul podcast to talk about Mm -hmm. this. In fact, I think his episode is airing... Um, this week on awesome. on Friday. Yeah, I think it's airing this Friday. Um, and it's so Friday, June 29th on the Chicken Soup for the Soul with Amy Newmark, that podcast, if you want to listen to it. Because so, this is the real-life version of The Big Sick, which, of course, was the real-life version <laughs> of a real romance also. And, um, and so Jamin told me on the podcast, it's not in the story, but on the podcast he told me that his parents still – have not totally come around 
Um, but they will eventually because they have right. two grandchildren now. He and his mm-hmm. American wife have two children, and uh, his parents will come around. They will. But he had to go where his heart led him. Chapter 9, When I Knew, Meeting Earl by Jeffrey Wynn. Oh, yeah. So Jeffrey, she was having a lunch meeting with two of her colleagues, and the owner of the restaurant, who Jeffrey knew well, came over with this tall, handsome man and said, excuse me, and she said to Jeffrey's two colleagues, you need to leave now. And they were all taken aback. And she said, I have someone here who Jeffrey needs to meet. Jeffrey is a woman. That's a woman's name. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jeffrey is introduced to this guy, Earl, and basically this restaurant manager forces them to go out on a date together because she just knows they're perfect for each other. And Jeffrey's not really sure, but they're supposed to go out on a date, and then she calls him and says, I can't I can't see you tonight. I'm really sorry, but my dog is sick. She seems to be dying, and the vet isn't sure why. And so I, I have to stand you up. I have to go over to the clinic now. I can't let my dog die alone. And Earl says, I'll go with you. And she says, what? And so he goes with her, even though they're not really officially dating. Mm -hmm. And they walk in, and um, Jeffrey sits down on the floor with her dog, Lucy. And Lucy is, like, comatose and um, barely breathing. And and so Jeffrey sits down, and she's crying and holding Lucy in her lap. And then Earl sits down picks up Lucy, the dog, puts her in his lap, and then he begins speaking to her, and he goes, you've got to live. Think of all the living you still have to do. And he tells her all the doggy things she's going to be able to do, like chasing (laughs) balls and butterflies and barking at the mailman and stuff like that. And at that moment, watching Earl talk to her dog, Jeffrey fell in love with him. Well, they stayed with the dog, and then they finally left her that night, and Jeffrey called the vet in the morning to find out if her dog had passed away during the night. And the vet said, your dog is standing up in the crate, wagging her tail and barking for breakfast. You can come and pick her up. (laughs) So it was just a miracle. Um, And so Jeffrey and Earl got married five months later, and that was 26 years ago. So I thought that was really cute. The way to a woman's heart is through her dog. Well, Amy, I guess I'm going to hang out at the animal shelter now. Yeah, that's a good place. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Chapter 10. When I least expected it, Love Can Be Difficult by Marsha Salsa. So Marsha was um, married, and she went – she was a German teacher, and she went on this summer trip – to um, with a bunch of other German teachers to study at a university in Germany. And while she was there, she started hanging out with one of the other German teachers, um, a woman named Sandy, and they did everything together. Um, they were both married, but they became like best friends, and then they started like always sitting together on the tour bus and they would always room together if the if their tour went, you know, to hotels mm-hmm. and they got back to the United States 
and realized that they were actually in love with each other. And so they both broke up with their husbands and they, well, actually it took 17 years, I must admit, here. I'm looking now. 17 years after meeting Sandy, Marcia mm-hmm. told her husband that she was in love with Sandy. So it actually took a really, 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 really long time. But anyway, um, they've been together now for 14 years. They got married in 2015. Um, and even their ex-husbands are fine with the situation now because what can you do? People are made the way that they're made. Right. And um, Marcia says that recently she was at a dinner for her 22-year-old grandson's engagement, and um, she asked him if he had told his fiance that you know she was married to mm-hmm. a woman. And he said, sure, I've been bragging about you all along. And she said, wow, bragging about his lesbian grandmas, what a concept. But, you know, things are a lot different than when Marsha got married decades ago and then um, spent 17 years being friends with Sandy before finally telling her husband that she wanted to end her marriage. It's a beautiful story. And again, love has no boundaries. When you feel it, it's the real thing. That's it. Nothing else matters. So that's a beautiful story. Chapter 11 the second time around, falling in love again, maybe, by Kate White. Yes, yeah, so um, it, this is really funny. I think this is really cute. She <laughs> says she's going on a date. It's the first date she's had in five years. It's a blind date. And it's she. she's a widow, and this date is with a widower. His name is Fred. And she really doesn't want some handsome gorgeous guy because she doesn't look the way she used to look. She's got wrinkles and lumps and bumps and stretch marks from having four children and she wears bifocals and she's 30 pounds overweight and so she really wants a guy who's kind of like her and so she's talking about that and then she says, okay, I'm looking out the window now and I see my date out there. He's pacing back and forth. I can see he's a little early. He's nervous. Oh, he just put a roll of breath mints out he put a breath mint in his mouth. He oh look, he's pulling in his stomach and trying to look thinner. And and then he's got a pot belly, that's awesome. And then he knocks on the door and she opens it. She says he's short, he's bald, he has a pot belly. He's dressed very unfashionably. He wears bifocals and he's perfect. So I thought that was really cute. <laughs> it's a wonderful story and Again, you go through the process and you know what you want and what you don't want, and then in the end, it's just natural. Chapter 12, Keeping the Love Alive. This is Us by Ava Carter. Yeah, so Ava, she's one of our regular com- contributors. Oh, my gosh, we get so many stories from her. And so um, she's just, she's a, she's, she has this dream where she's like perfect, <laughs> And she has no gray hair, and she's wearing like a gorgeous diamond necklace that her husband has just given her with matching earrings, and they're cruising somewhere in the Mediterranean. And then the phone wakes her up, and she realizes that she fell asleep at their home in Dallas, Texas. Her husband is across from her. He's also fallen asleep. He's snoring on the sofa. Their cat is asleep, and the TV is on playing a football game, and they're just an old married couple snoring in the living room, being incredibly boring. <laughs> and and then she gets a text message, and it's from her friend saying, we're going out for lunch. Do you want to come? And Eva says, no, 
I don't want to go because I have everything I want right in front of me. There's nowhere I'd rather be than with my husband who has fallen asleep in front of the football game and my cat lying around our living room, ordinary people. And she talks about how they've been married 32 years, and she's very happy with their very ordinary life and the little things they do together. And I totally get that because sometimes Mm -hmm. I notice that myself, just all those little things that couples do together that you get so used to and um, you just like that regular routine. And she ends her story saying, this is love. This is all Mm -hmm. I need. Beautiful, just beautiful and appropriate way to end the chapter, so to speak. Can you share with us some of your favorite stories? There was one that is also in the book trailer for Chicken Soup for the Soul, the Miracle of Love, and you can Mm -hmm. see the book trailer on chickensoup.com. And so this story is by Lisa Marlin, and this is really cool. Lisa was 16, and she was working at an amusement park in Missouri, and this cute boy came by with his friends, and she only saw him for a moment. Um, He came by. She was working at one of those flavored ice carts. And he said, oh, you should come on the rides with us. And she said, no, I have to stand here on my cart. And so she just saw him for a moment, and then he was gone. But she had an instant crush on him, and she told her friends about this <laughs> cute boy. But in the moment that she had spoken to him, he had said, if you're ever in Kansas, you should come and see me. But, of course, she lived in Missouri. Apparently, he lived in Kansas, so she knew she was never going to see him again. Then two years later, she was on um, a trip with her church youth group, and she was in Colorado. And she's throwing a Frisbee around with her friends, but her the bus is about to leave. So the kids are supposed to get on this bus and go. And the Frisbee goes out of control, and it lands on a picnic table in the middle of a family gathering. So Lisa goes over to get the Frisbee, and this guy pops up holding the Frisbee and starts flirting with her, she realizes it's the same guy. But then the bus starts, you know, tooting its horn, and so she has to just grab the Frisbee and run to the bus. But she gets on the bus, and she tells her friends, I just saw that guy again. And they're like, no, you did not see that guy again. The guy from Kansas who you met in Missouri, you did not just see him in Colorado. But she really thought it was the guy. Then 30 years pass, and she has two marriages, two divorces. She's got kids. Now she's living in Colorado. She's working at a hospital. And one day, this man pops his head into her office and says, hey, I'm, a, I'm just here doing a quick project. Can you just give me the printer code? I need to print something. And she looks at the guy. He's this nice-looking middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. She realizes it's the guy. And so she gives him the code, and they start talking. And he mentions he lives in Denver and This is two hours south of Denver in southern Colorado. And he says he lives in Denver, and she just blurts out, oh, I'm moving to Denver, which, of course, was not true. And then she (laughs) thinks, oh, boy, I better go get my resume together and find a job in Denver and move my kids to Denver, which she does. Anyway, they they start dating, and, um, and and now they're together. And it was the guy, because when she asked him, he had been at that amusement park, that summer, Mm -hmm. and he had been at that park in southern Colorado that summer two years later with his family when she threw the Frisbee into the middle of the family. So it's the guy. (laughs) 
And so they went back to that same park and reenacted the Frisbee moment. And we have a picture of the two of them with the Frisbee in that park in our book trailer. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, you can divert love, but it eventually comes back around and catches you. <laughs> I know. It's a really great story about destiny. <laughs> well, we are waiting for your recipes for living life. So please share that with us. All right. So... Considering that finding love is one of the most important aspects of life, let's just go with some tips about finding love. All and right. I would focus on tips for finding love when you least expect it. And so definitely one of them is Lisa's story, right? That some people are mm-hmm. just meant to be together. So when that happens, just accept it. Like Lisa accepted her fate. And when he said he lived in Denver, she just plain blurted out, I'm moving to Denver because this was the <laughs> guy. This was the guy she had seen 32 years ago. So so that was that's one thing to accept that some people are just meant to be together. Then I would say another tip is there's nothing wrong with reaching out to a stranger and that happened to Jill Burns who has a story in her book about how she was listening to the lyrics of this musician and she listened to his lyrics for years and used his lyrics to get through all the down parts of her life Mm -hmm. and finally she said i don't even know this guy whose lyrics i've been depending depending on and she got his phone number from a musician friend and called him and they ended up getting married because she reached out to a stranger and then another great tip is if you dream about a soulmate that person might actually exist we have so many stories in the book about people who dreamt about somebody and then met that person in real life including that story I told you by LaRonda Byrne about her husband, John, who dreamt three dreams about her and then asked his friend Rob, and Rob put them together. Another thing is be spontaneous. Say yes to chance meetings with people because you never know. And that happened to Heather Kerner. She was driving in a traffic jam when this cute guy in the car next to her yelled out his phone number to her, and her mom wrote it down for her, and she called him. And they've been married 20 years now. And then finally, remember Holly Mosley's story, mm-hmm. story about the monk. Your soulmate really may start out as just a friend. So keep your eyes open and realize that that person who's just a friend may actually be the right person for you. So true. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me on From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in two weeks, Tuesday morning, July 10th. My guest will be Catherine Jagate. She is a British television presenter and an anchor. Catherine also works for the World Health Organization, where she developed educational resources for rural communities in sub-Saharan Africa. Catherine and I will be having a conversation about her recently released book, Infinite Possibility, How to Use Ideas of Neville Goddard to Create the Life You Want. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. Thank you for listening and have a blessed week. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again and have a blessed day. Thank you. Bye-bye.
told me that her granddaughter... John, are you listening to me? Of course I am, Mom. Well, then why are you on your phone, ignoring your poor mother who only loves you and wants to spend time with you? <laughs> I was doing some banking on the Wells Fargo mobile app and I got carried away. Pay your bills? Done. Check your balances? Done. Deposit checks? Done. Even send and receive money? D are you updating your status right now? Hmm? With the Wells Fargo mobile app, it's easy to get banking done. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash getbankingdone. Wells Fargo Bank, N.A., member FDIC. Hey, you, with a rhinestone dog collar. Between us dogs, I just convinced my human to upgrade to a new home with a 1,200-square-foot bathroom. I think she called it a yard. With Wells Fargo's 3% down mortgage option, my human realized a new home was within reach, and I only gave her puppy eyes once. Get your human to talk to a mortgage consultant or learn more at wellsfargo.com slash woof. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage. Down payments as low as 3% on a fixed-rate loan require mortgage insurance. Ask a home mortgage consultant about loan requirements. Wells Fargo Home Mortgage is a division of Wells Fargo Bank N.A., Equal Housing Lender, NMLS R.I.D. 399801.